Amen. I don't know whether to say amen or yeehaw or something. I think we just had a hoedown in church. What do you think? That was, that was a lot of fun. Wow. If, if this is your first time to hope, that's how exciting the offering is every single week, right? So you're like, I'll give more money. That was so much fun. I'm not going to do that, right? We are really, really glad that you're here again. We believe it is no accident that you are here. For those of you that I haven't met, my name is John Anderson. I'm the campus pastor here, and we are so glad that every single one of you are here. Those of you here, those of you upstairs all around, those of you that go upstairs before their seats, their seats still open down here because you like to sit up there. Those of you in the lobby as well, we're really, really glad that you're here. Every single one of you. The, whether we say yeehaw or amen, the message of that song is very, very clear, which is why I love it. It's kind of a toe tapper. Even, even Norwegians, even Lutherans I saw out there <laughs> tapping your toes. It's okay. We're not a normal Lutheran church, as you can tell. Uh, but the message of that song is very clear. God, builds your kingdom here. God, builds your kingdom here. That's what we're about as a church, and that's what we're about in this giving campaign that you've been hearing about. If this is your first time here, you picked a great time to come. We're really, really glad uh, that you're here uh, as well. God, build your kingdom here. And so I'm just going to jump right into it this morning because we've got a lot to talk about today and it's very, very exciting. Throughout this campaign and really the last several years, we've been asking a question, God, what does it look like to be a church after your own heart? Some of you, I'm guessing, uh, are from different church backgrounds and different experiences with religion, with Christianity, with spirituality. I want to paint a picture for you today of a, a different way of looking at what it means to be the church, and particularly what it means to be a church after Jesus' own heart. And we're going to do that by looking at one of Jesus' loves, one of the things that Jesus loved to do, one of the ways that he spent his time uh, a lot that you may not think of. And when you think about how Jesus spent his time, some of you are like, well, Jesus, you know, he preached a lot, and he probably prayed for people, and, you know, Jesus, you know, went in the boat across the sea a lot. But today I want to focus on uh, being the church based on one of Jesus' loves that we often forget forget about, and that is partying. That's ex the exact response I thought I would get, right? When you think of Jesus, do you think of a party animal? Probably not, right? This is very shocking to some of you, right? But if you think about how Jesus spent a lot of his time, it was at parties. So to get you thinking about this, what is the best party you've ever been to? Just think about that right now. What is the best party you've ever been to? Some of you are like, John, we're in church. You probably don't, you probably can't say, right? What is the best party you've ever been to? Maybe it was a, a wedding celebration. Maybe it was a, a backyard barbecue or a birthday party or an anniversary. What is the best party you've ever been to? I was thinking about that this week. I was digging into the gospel of, of Luke and a little bit in the gospel of John. The gospel of John starts out right away. You know what Jesus' very first miracle? Do you remember where it was at? It was at the wedding in Cana. Now, if you're unfamiliar with weddings in Jesus' day, some of you are like, oh, weddings, like you go to the church and you have the wedding and then you go to the reception and you have your food and then it's a couple hours later and they have a dance and then you're gone. Not so in Jesus' day. If you went to a wedding in Jesus' day, it was a week-long party and you were there. And if the wine went, ran out at the beginning of the week, it was a disaster. How embarrassing for the host. Jesus happens to show up at this party and what does he do? Shame on you, shame on you, stop partying. He doesn't do any of that. Now, does Jesus participate in some of the behavior that's happening at the party? Absolutely not. But what does Jesus do? He turns water into wine. Mind you, he saves the best wine for last, right? Jesus' first miracle was at a party. How many of you remember the story of Zacchaeus? Anybody remember the story of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a... 
wee little man. That's right. Well, we know that part of the story. What you don't know is what does Jesus say to Zacchaeus? He says, for I'm coming to your house today. Jesus, Zacchaeus was an influential, he was a tax collector. He was an influential man. And Jesus, wait a minute, Jesus just invited himself to a party. He invited himself over. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today, right? A lot of Jesus's parables were about parties, were about banquets, were about celebrations, occasions like that, such as the case in our gospel reading today from Luke chapter 14. Jesus loved parties. And what you can't miss from what Jesus said in the gospels and from the way that he spent his time is the way that Jesus talked about being a part of the kingdom and what it means to be a part of a church is a great big party, is a great big banquet. One of the things that we like to say around hope a lot, one of our favorite sayings is there ain't no party like a Jesus party because a Jesus party don't stop. We just add that on for fun. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, there ain't no party like a Jesus party. Tell them that right now. There ain't no party like a Jesus party. That's right. Absolutely. And today what we're going to do is we dig into the story. We're going to find out why. Why is there ain't no party like a Jesus party? Well, there's several reasons, and I want to point out to, uh, to you a few of them. So if you got your Bibles or your Bible app, turn to Luke chapter 14. That's where we're going to be today, Luke chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 15. So when we arrive on the scene, Jesus is uh, telling a story. He's telling a story of a, a banquet, uh, a parable of that, but Jesus happens to be at a banquet. And some of you maybe walked in this morning and you're just noticing it now, maybe because the band was covering it up. We don't normally have a banquet table, a dining room table set on the stage, but it happens to be here. And there's no coincidence that in the Anderson family dining room right now, well, there's no dining room table because it's here. So, and this is what it looks like uh, every Saturday night at our house. Uh, this is what the, the setting looks like with our small children. And we have a banquet with chicken nuggets and macaroni and cheese. Uh, there we are. But we have a banquet here today, and that's where the parable is. And Jesus is hanging out at a pretty prominent banquet. And the only problem is, is that Jesus looks around the table and he says, well, there's just a bunch of people that think they deserve to be here. And Jesus gets angry. He gets frustrated with them. Because the people that aren't at the party are the people that should be at the party. The people that are at the party think that they deserve to be there, right? Do any of us deserve to be at the party here every week for worship? Absolutely not. We are here only by the grace of God. And so Jesus is looking around, and what he gets so frustrated about is that the people that are at this party, they're there because they think they deserve to be there, and they're actually arguing about who should get what seat at the table. It's all about them, is life all about you? <laughs> is the party all about you? Or are you kind of looking to include and invite in other people? And so Jesus just gets really, really frustrated with these people that they forget that the entire reason that you're at the party, the entire reason you've been invited into the kingdom of God is because of an act of sheer grace. This is the reason that all of us are here this morning. You've been invited to the party. The first thing that you got to know about the party that Jesus is throwing, the kingdom party, is that everyone is welcome. Every single one of you. And maybe you've had some bad experiences at church. But as you look at the banquet table today, I don't want you to think about it just as, a, oh, that's a cute little banquet table. I want you to think about the kingdom of God, not just for an hour a week in worship, but you have been invited into the kingdom of God to participate in the life of Jesus every single day. And so what Jesus does is he goes on to tell a story. Now, why does Jesus do this? He could have just snapped into like preacher mode and just start, you know, preaching and just condemning and judging all of these people. But he didn't do that because Jesus knows us better than anybody else. And he knows that story is the language of the heart. Stories are the language of 
of the heart. I could preach at you all day long up here, and you'd probably forget most of it. Or I could tell you stories and show you video clips and slides, as we often do, because I'm trying to tell you a story. That's because we relate to stories. Why? Because we're living one. Your life is a story. And so Jesus tells them a story. Get this. He's at a banquet, and he tells them a story of a banquet, right? So here Jesus is, and he goes on. Skip down to verse 16 if you're following along. A story to illustrate the kingdom. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. Now, if you're the guy that's hosting this party that Jesus is at, you're like, hmm, I wonder if this story's about me, right? Jesus says, yes, actually it is. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent a servant out to tell those who had been invited, come, everything is ready. And so what happens is if you read on to the story, instead of responding to this incredible invitation, by the way, I read somewhere in some notes this week, some of the commentators on this passage that in Jesus' day, if you, if you did not go to one of these banquets, like this was so important, if you didn't show up for a banquet that you were invited to, it would be considered an act of war. <laughs> like that serious. Like, whoa, right? That almost a, a sign of, of hatred or I, I'm, I'm against you just to deny that. It would be considered extremely rude. And so there's some people that the, the, the leader or the owner of the party of the house just gets excuse after excuse after excuse. So yes, the truth is in Jesus' parties, everybody's welcome. But the second truth we discover about this story, not everybody responds to the invitation. And so the host of the party just starts getting all of the RSVPs and all a bunch of these lame excuses. Now, if you read the Bible and you just are so serious and you can't have a sense of humor at all, you are going to miss so much of Jesus' sass. Let me tell you, okay? Jesus is telling this story. He could have told it any way possible, and he could have chose any excuses in the book. So ha loosen up a little bit. Tell your neighbor, just elbow him right now, and say, hey, loosen up a little bit. Loosen up. Sometimes when you read the Bible, you got to loosen up a little bit, okay? Listen to the lame-o excuses that people have for not coming to the party, okay? Verse 18. So imagine, just imagine you got tickets to see like the dream concert that you've always wanted to go to, or you got invited to the, to the home to hang out with for a day of your favorite celebrity, the person that you admire the most, okay? And these are some of the excuses that, that come back. Verse 18, the first said, I have just bought a field and I must go look at it. <laughs> what? What is the field going to like get up and move like when you're at the party and you're going to miss it or something? Like lame-o, okay? Verse 19, another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. What? Who passes up a free party to hang out with livestock? Like lame-o, right? Here's my favorite one, okay? Verse 20, still another said, I just got married so I can't come. Okay, now let's unpack that for a second. You get married... <laughs> What do most people do when they get married? They go and have a party. You just got invited to a party, right? I just got married. I can't come. And here's the thing. We laugh and we shake our heads and we say, oh, I can't believe these excuses. But I wonder when it comes to being invited to the Jesus' party, when it comes to being invited to living every single day in the kingdom, we all have our excuses too, don't we? What are your modern excuses? It may not be I just got married, but for a lot of us, it's our season of life. Oh, I hear that one all the time. Not a good season for me right now. That's like Christianese language. It's this new language. Not a good season for me right now. What that means is I don't want to do it, and I want to avoid following what God's calling me to do. That's what that means. Let's be honest, right? It's not a good season. It's never going to be a good season for you. 
You make time for what's most important, right? If you get invited to a party, if there's an empty seat at the table for you, you take it. It's the opportunity of a lifetime. Maybe some of you, I'm guessing none of you bought five oxen this past week. If you did, congratulations. That's, uh, that's awesome, right? But we have our hobbies. We have our jobs. We have our things that get in the way. And Jesus says, I want to be number one. I want to be at the dead center of your life. And everything else revolves around that. When you get invited to a party, you show up, especially when it is a kingdom party. Don't miss out on the joy. But as this story kind of transitions, it goes, the themes that we look at, not only is everybody welcome at the party, not only are you wanted at this party, but you are needed at the party. Not just to be there, but to invite others. So we go back to the story and look at verse 21. The owner tells a servant, okay, so nobody showed up. So I've got a giant banquet table and there's a whole bunch of open seats. I mean, folks, there's a seat with your name on it in the kingdom of God. Okay, now watch what the owner of the house does. He goes and he tells the servant, verse 21, go out quickly to the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Okay, that's a little bit different uh, guest list than the people that are already at. You know, it's like all those people. Who are those people in your life? We all have them. And Jesus says, actually, you better get used to hanging out with people that don't look like you, act like you, talk like you, live where you do, vote where you do, because they're going to be sitting next to you at the party of the kingdom of God. They're going to be sitting next to you at the banquet. So we got to get used to that. Well, then the servant told his master that what you have ordered is done, but there's still room. And this is where we get to the verse that's been on the banner uh, over here that our creative team designed that's been over here for about a month from Luke chapter 14. And I think it's up on the slide. Let's read this together, what the master says to a servant. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. That's the next truth about Jesus' party. Everybody's welcome. Some people won't respond to the invitation, but we, we as followers of Jesus, instead of playing it safe, are called to invite. Why? So that the house will be full. And I was standing back there during worship this morning, looking around going, we don't have any more room to put people. It's a beautiful thing to see the Bible come to life. And we're full because you invite because you realize that the banquet isn't just for you. It's not enough that there's a place at the table for you. You looked around the table and you do this every week, which is why you're an incredible church. And you say, who else needs to come and sit at the table with me? And we'll make more room. I'm sorry if you're around there, around the, in, the, in the lobby. We need to make more room. There is a place at the table for all of us. We're called to reach out, to invite. Maybe not go down the country lanes, but maybe it needs going across the street to your neighbor. Who else needs to be at the table? Who else needs to be at the banquet? And it says, go out and compel people to come in. Not, hey, I do this thing once in a while on Sunday mornings, and you know, Jesus just you know, took all my sin and death and shame and defeat the powers of hell, and now I have eternal life, but it's not really a big deal, so you don't have to come if you don't want to. No, it's a huge deal, and we should never apologize. I love how Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? We're not playing church here. It's not a full house today because we're just messing around. This is life-changing stuff, and Jesus wants you to be at the party every single week. 
every single week for here at worship with your brothers and sisters, gathering in small groups, serving together, inviting people in. Who needs a place at the party? And sometimes I think we forget. We forget how amazing the gospel is. And I think about all the people that the original guests didn't want to be at the party, and all of those people. And Jesus says, go out and compel them to come in. Go out and do anything you can to make sure that the house is full. And I, think, I can't think of a better picture of what God has done here over the last 10 years. I remember way back in the early days uh, of our church when I was hoping that more than a few people would show up at church that their last name wasn't Annenson. I was really hoping that people would come. And I remember those days, we call them the trailer days because everything we had fit in a trailer. There were days where you had to set up your own chair if you wanted to come uh, as well. Maybe some of you had to do that uh, this morning. Uh, But I remember those days and we felt like, those of us on staff and and, and the leaders at the time felt like God had put us in the city for a reason. Some of you are like, I've heard of Lutheran Church of Hope, like they're that big church out west, right? Yes, we have six locations uh, all over the the metro uh, and, and we felt like we're the first campus in an urban setting. The other ones are more in a suburban setting. We're the first ones in an urban setting. And we're like, God's put us here for a reason. Like the point of having campuses is to reach people that nobody else is reaching, right? It would have been easy for all the people that helped us launch this church just to stay in West Des Moines and say, great. But we've become a church of the city. We've become a church of the neighborhood here. And so we like, God has put us here for a reason. And so we started asking ourselves essentially the question, who needs a seat at the table? Who's missing from the party? I mean, people show it up, but we kind of had this idea early on. It's like, well, we're Lutheran Church of Hope, and so we're going to have worship at this elementary school gym, and we got donut holes, and we got maroon padded chairs, and our worship leader plays a harmonica, and so people are going to come. It's going to be great. And they did, but we still felt like there was more people to reach. And I remember distinctly the day I was standing in the cafeteria of Hubble Elementary School, and, you know, it was coming off the week of a bunch of elementary kids being in there, and sometimes the air didn't kick on right away. And I remember it was a summer Sunday morning. It was a little warm in there, and so all the aromas of all the kids, and it smelled like dirty socks and Doritos in there, and it was just the smell of church. And there we were, and one of our volunteers came up to me, and she said, John, I think God wants us to go reach more people. And I said, absolutely. And she said, I'll never forget, she said, who in the city doesn't have a church family? Who in the city doesn't even have a chance to come to church? And I said, I'm guessing there's a lot of people. I just don't know who they are. And she said, I serve at several of our homeless shelters, halfway houses every week. I'm a part of our ministry called Joppa that's one of our local mission partners that goes out and does camp cleanup under the the, the bridges and and in the tent camps around town. And I meet these people and we pray with them, give them food and, and resources. And she said, I bet they don't have a church home. And I said, you're right. I said, how are they going to get here? Like, they can't get here. And she said, well, we need transportation. And so we figured out early on, I think we're going to need some buses. So I remember distinctly about a year into this whole pastoring thing, my head full of all this seminary theological knowledge, in between writing sermons, what am I doing? I'm with our CFO, Chris, bouncing around, buying up used school buses at used car dealerships. Like, this is what it means to be the church. And so I'm out there, and we bought buses Our campus bought all these buses, and now the rest of Lutheran Church of Hope is using them, and we're busing people in for events all over the week. But I remember we tried it. (laughs) We tried it, and the first Easter morning we tried it. It was awesome, and people loved it, and we're like, oh, but I just feel like something's missing because they're just kind of in. We want to build relationships with people, so let's have breakfast. And we had breakfast, and we we brought people in, and, and, and it was awesome. And I was thinking, I was standing there one day watching all these new people coming in, and it just hit me. 
in order to reach people that nobody else is reaching, we got to do things that nobody else is doing. Amen? In order to reach people that nobody else is reaching, we got to do things that nobody else is doing. we got to think outside of the box. Some of you are here this morning for the first time, like, this, this isn't a normal church, right? Like, this is kind of weird. There's some weird people sitting around me. We had a hoedown during the offering. I mean, what's going on, right? In order to reach people that nobody else is reaching, we've got to do things that nobody else is doing. So we gave it a shot. We gave it a shot, and, and here, eight years later, we have this ministry called Breakfast Club, and it's credible, and hundreds of people a week and thousands of people over the last eight years have experienced the love of Jesus. Get this, all because one lady, one volunteer, had the guts to share the kingdom vision that God had placed on her heart. And some of you are leaders, and you don't want to admit it. Some of you, God has laid this burden or this idea or this dream or this vision on your heart, and you're sitting on it this morning. Jesus says, we need you at the banquet table. How many people would have missed out on having a church family or church home if she would have said, oh, it's just, it's just kind of a little idea? No, it's so much more than that. It might change somebody's life. And so soon after, we started Breakfast Club, but we realized that there's a lot more people that need to be invited to the party as well. It's not just those that shelters or that live on the street or under the bridges or wherever they might happen to be. There's kids in our own community that are struggling, that come from very difficult homes. Some of you remember the story. It was Vacation Bible School about four years ago, and we brought in kids from the Oak Ridge neighborhood from some low-income housing and that are really difficult uh, family backgrounds that we realized as they came here. I remember talking to one eight-year-old boy specifically. I'll never forget the conversation. They were unruly. They were undisciplined. It was terrible for our volunteers. And they were just like scarfing down these snacks. And I said, hey, buddy, when's the last time you had something to eat? This was seven o'clock the next night at Vacation Bible School. And he said, yesterday for lunch. This is an eight-year-old boy. No wonder you can't focus. No wonder you can't pay attention. I'm like, maybe it's not about just playing church. Maybe it's not about just coming and going through the motions. Maybe there's something more. And so for four years now, we've done our WizKids program on Thursday nights, and we have some incredible, incredible volunteers that show up every single week. And nobody's ever going to notice, and a lot of you may never know who they are, but they are building the kingdom one little heart at a time and loving these kids that may never show up for worship, but it's never been about that. It's about building the kingdom. It's never been about building Lutheran Church of Hope. And so they have a party, a kingdom party, a kingdom banquet every single Thursday night. It doesn't look like this. In fact, every Friday morning when I come in, there is more candy and pizza and chicken nuggets ground into the floor of this church. And I look at it and I go, praise God. Because better to have a Jesus party and have to clean up afterwards than never party at all. Amen? Amen. That's why we're here. That's why we have a building. That's why we exist. I'd rather have it be messy than unused. That's why we built the building. And so we realized, okay, there's, we're doing the same thing on Friday nights now. There's high school kids that may not connect with our normal youth programming on Wednesday nights. And so we started a program on Friday nights. If you know of a high school student, a friend, a family member, a, a child of a coworker, whoever they are, that, that just doesn't really you know, connect with this whole church thing, that's okay. We want to connect them with Jesus. And if youth group isn't their thing, come and hang out on Friday nights at the sea. Every Friday night here from 5 to 9, our youth director, Ryan, does a fantastic job with that, and we would love 
to have him. So I'm thinking about all these things that we're doing uh, during the week, all these things that we do. And, and earlier this year, I had one of these moments. I was standing in the back like I was this morning, and I was looking out over worship, and I was looking around at the diversity of people from all different backgrounds that God's brought here in the city. Yeah, you never have one of those, those moments, you know, we're, when you lead a church, you, you dream and you plan and you work so hard, and then you see something happen that's totally not about you, that has to be a God thing. And I looked around, and in that moment, it hit me. God, you're making us into a great banquet kind of church. Kind of looks like around here at Hope Des Moines, like one of, those, one of those awesome dinner parties that Jesus used to invite himself over to. It's kind of what it looks like. You're making us into a great banquet kind of church. <laughs> Because I look around, even this morning, and I see lifelong Christians, and I see people that are just getting started, that are still checking this whole thing out. I see that those of you that have maybe given up on church, and those of you that maybe thought God has given up on you. I see a church where despite our differences and our past mistakes and our church background and our economic standing and our skin color or our political preferences or our age, there is a place at the table. And maybe the church is a place that that can happen. Maybe the church is the one place in our world that we can do that. Maybe God is making us into a great banquet church. Hear me say this as we continue to move throughout this campaign. Some of you are like, why are we doing this? Like I get the last campaign, like we went from meeting in a gym to a church building. Why are we adding on? Why are we biting this building? What, what is this campaign all about? And maybe God's vision <laughs> for Hope Des Moines isn't to be a perfect church where the music is flawless and the lights are flawless. Maybe God's vision for Hope Des Moines isn't to be a church where the, the preacher never has a subpar sermon or we don't have a, you know, every group or class to meet every single one of your needs to get your needs met. But rather, maybe the vision that God is calling Hope Des Moines is, is to be the kind of church that instead of building more walls between us, we need to build a longer table. Maybe God's vision, instead of building up more walls, I mean, the world builds up plenty of walls, and maybe the church could be a place where we say, no more walls, let's build a bigger table. Because God wants more people at the great banquet. God wants more people at the party. Because maybe here is the one place where we're all the same, and the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We've got really good news to share. This is what Jesus, this is what Jesus was trying to communicate to those at the banquet. The gospel of God is not for the people that think that they have it all together and don't need help. The gospel is for people that are dying in their own sin and that are desperate for a savior. And that's every single one of us. I love how pastor and author Tim Keller says it. We'll put this up on the screen. He says this, the gospel says that you are more sinful and flawed than you ever believed. And that's true about every single one of us, including myself but here's the good news, but you are more accepted and loved than you ever dared hope. What we're inviting people to, when you say invite people to church, invite people to your small group, we're not inviting people to a meeting. We're not inviting people to some dead, lifeless religion. This is the greatest news. We're inviting them to come sit around the table, and when you sit around the table with Jesus, your life is changed. When you sit around the table with Jesus, your life is changed. And if we're going to be that kind of a church, we're going to need a bigger table. Some of you have been looking up here the entire time saying, John, I think you kind of messed up. You forgot to put a leaf in your table like it's been leaning up. Nope, this was in purpose, okay? And this right here is the reason, one among many, but one of the big reasons why we are doing this campaign called Building to a Hope Beyond. Whether it's weekend worship, as you can clearly see here this morning, or Breakfast Club, or Kids, or a student ministry, or Revive, our young adult service, Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock, 
20s and 30-somethings, you should all be there, whether it's Revive or preschool or support groups or classes, you could say that we throw multiple parties every single week here at Hope Des Moines. We have multiple banquet tables, multiple places for people to connect. And the fact is, we are out of room at the table for Hope Des Moines, and we need your help to build some more leaves. Nobody, nobody, including those of you way back there in the lobby, nobody should come to worship at Lutheran Church of Hope and not have a place to sit. Amen? Amen. And we need your help to do that. That's kind of what we're up against right now, okay? Or you could come to Saturday at 5 o'clock. We'd love to have you, okay? If this is an issue for you sitting outside the bathrooms, okay? I believe that God is calling us to add some leaves to the table. You can clearly see our worship space, our loft area, our classrooms were just not designed for the amount of growth that we've experienced over the last four years. And so some of you have maybe seen these images before. If you've been to an open house, if you've got your campaign packet already, this is kind of just a snapshot of what we're hoping to do uh, as well to build uh, this building, to renovate it over there. And here's the thing. We could build, you know, we could add a few leaves to the table and we could build a little bit, but here's the vision, here's the dream that I want to invite you to be a part of in two weeks for Commitment Weekend. I think that God wants us to build a banquet hall. Something even fancier than this. And I don't mean literally fancier than that. I just mean God wants us to give people our very best. Yeah, we could give a little bit of money and we could kind of go along with the whole thing and show up once in a while and say, well, I hope, you know, we'll add one more leaf so that five more people can come. I think that Jesus wants to blow the roof off the place. I think that Jesus wants us to build a great banquet hall of the kingdom and that this can be one of the headquarters of the kingdom of God in Des Moines every single Saturday night and Sunday morning all throughout the week. We need your help to add some more leaves to the table. And bigger than that, I believe that God wants us to build a banquet hall. Big enough. Imagine this big enough so that we can host dozens of new groups and classes without having to change over rooms multiple times. We added them up, our staff did a couple weeks ago, and there are some rooms around this building. We have three classrooms for a church of 600. Three classrooms. And some of those classrooms get changed over 11 times over the course of a week. 11 times. And so our staff is running around doing all that, and I want them with people because ministry is about people. Let's build a banquet hall big enough so that when you drop your children off for student ministry or children's ministry, that you don't have to just drop them off and leave. Imagine dropping your child off for their, for their youth group and you being able to stay for an adult group or class right next door here in our campus in a separate building. Let's build a banquet hall big enough so that you and your small group or your coworkers can come over in the middle of the day and have a coffee in our brand new coffee shop that we're going to call Cafe Hope. That's going to be right off this main area, and you can have it there, or you can have it outside in what we hope to be our outdoor patio seating that we hope to do live music at and concerts and maybe even outdoor worship. It's going to be incredible, and we're going to wake up the entire neighborhood, and it's going to be awesome. It's time for church, people. We need your help to add some more leaves to the table. And last but not least, imagine a banquet hall big enough that instead of cramming 140 people, those of you up in the loft, look behind you at all those tables. That space is meant for about 60 people. Let's build a banquet hall big enough that we can invite everybody to come. And it doesn't matter if you live in a shelter or on the street or you came on the bus or you came from your own home. What if, what if we could all eat together? You do know that was the vision from the beginning. We flat out just ran out of space. 
The kingdom vision of what God is doing here at Hope Des Moines is the, not that we would give handouts to people that are maybe less fortunate than us in some way. The kingdom vision, what Jesus did, is that we would all sit together at the banquet of the kingdom. That we would look each other in the eye and build relationships regardless of where you happen to live or if you have a roof over your head. The vision is that we all eat together. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. And if we're going to be a church after Jesus' own heart, there is no room for us and them in the church. There's no room for those people and me. What if Breakfast Club, <laughs> what if this meal that we have every single Sunday morning, what if we could extend it? It could be the whole morning and you could invite everybody and you could come. What if Breakfast Club was the can't miss meal of the week for all of us? Folks, I mean, sometimes they have biscuits and gravy. Are you kidding me? Breakfast burritos, get yourself here, yo. Come on over, seriously. You're missing it. I love this quote from uh, one of my favorite pastors and bloggers. His name is Kerry Newhoff, and I think it applies well to what we're doing as a church. And he says this, love has a speed, and it's slower than I am. There's a good chance it's slower than you are. Love pauses. Love lingers. Love offers full focus and gives far more than it takes. When I run too fast, I outrun love. And the people that I love pay a price. I would add to that quote, love doesn't stay at a distance. Love sits down and eats. Love doesn't stay at a distance and point a finger and say, well, isn't it great that we're serving those people? Love points the finger back at yourself and says, I am one of those people because I may not be poor materially, but every single one of us is poor. Every single one of us is broken. And at Hope Des Moines, there is no us and them. There's just us. Amen? Amen? That's why we do what we do. I wonder if, I know this is true of me, I wonder if people are looking for friendship way more than they're looking for charity. Maybe we could be that kind of church. A great banquet kind of church. And that leads to the next thing we know about Jesus' party. When you join the table, friendship is formed. Powerful things happen when we move out of our comfort zones and connect with people that aren't like us. This isn't about breakfast club. This isn't about poverty. This isn't about homeless outreach. This is about you. This is about me and getting out of our comfort zones to hang out and be in relationship with people that aren't like us. And there are some people that found that out in the most unlikely of places imaginable, the airport. Yes, the airport. So a while back, JetBlue Airlines did this experiment. They have an in-airport restaurant. And when people showed up at this restaurant thinking they were just going to do it alone, something dramatically changed. Take a look. It's not the food. It's not the breakfast. It's the relationships. Powerful things happen when we get out of our comfort zone and we get over ourselves and we start to connect with other people. Now, if you're an introvert like me, you're probably watching that the entire time going, no, that is my worst nightmare, right? I don't want to have anything to do with that, right? I've got really good news, right? We're going to do that. In fact, we already have been. Like, what if we did that as a church? What if we just put people together, random people that don't know each other, and we had you connect for the sake of building relationships? What if we did that? What if we started tonight? and the rest of this week. I got really good news. We're already doing it. And they're called neighborhood open houses. 
all right? This is why we're doing it. Some of you have the entirely wrong idea about this giving campaign and why we do these open house. Some of you are like, I already know it all. I don't need to go. Okay, well, then you've already made it all about you, right? Okay, just go with me here, right? Some of you are like, I don't want to go and be pressured. I don't, don't want to give money. You're not going to be asked for any, anything. You might be offered a cookie, some coffee or something like that, but you're not going to be asked. There's, these are guilt-free pressure-free. Our campaign teams have been working together for over a month to put together dozens of these open houses in every zip code all over the city of Des Moines with you in mind. They're saying, come to the party. Come to the banquet. We have a seat for you. We are waiting for you. You are invited. And you know what? Maybe the reason that God wants you to come to an open house has nothing to do with you. Maybe God wants you to show up not because you're going to get anything out of it, but because what you're going to bring what you're going to do, how you're going to bless somebody else. The point is that you are probably going to connect with people at these open houses that aren't like you, that you don't know. I'm guessing you might connect with somebody. You might be sitting next to somebody right now that's going to vote completely opposite of you on Tuesday. <gasps> and that's the point, right? That's the point. That's why we're here. That's why we exist as a church, to come together. Maybe God wants to teach us that church is not an event you consume. It's a family that you belong to. Because powerful things happen when we step outside of ourselves and we get to know people beyond us. This is way bigger than open houses. This is why we exist as a church. And in case you thought, John, this is a fun little stunt with your dining room table and everything, and that's cute, and that's, not, that's an airport, and that's not me. This is real life. If you wonder why we do what we do here at Hope Des Moines, I want to just end and tell you the quick story of my friend Chris. Several years ago when we started this breakfast club ministry, on a Sunday morning I saw this gentleman walk in with a bandana and on his bike and with a backpack. As a lot of our guests have, and he came walking in and he was pretty rough looking. He needed to shave, that's for sure. <laughs> now I'm just poking fun. And at first, he just had breakfast, and he'd pop in for worship, and he'd leave. But then I saw some people from the church, completely different from him, start to put their arm around him and love him and pray for him and befriend him. And then all of a sudden, I start seeing him show that Chris just shows up even more. And like, he's like the first one here and the last one to leave. And I asked some of our volunteers, I'm like, who is this guy, right? And they're like, I don't know, but he stays late every, and, he, and, he, and he's setting things up every Saturday night and he's here hours before anybody else and he's getting all the, the ketchup and the salt and pepper shakers set up for everybody. I mean, like, it's almost like he's preparing a banquet table. Like there's gonna be a feast and he's expecting people to come and he's the last one to leave and he's here all the time. And I'm like, who is this guy, right? I don't even know him, right? He just starts volunteering and, and does all these things. Like I gotta meet him. So I, I meet him and we get coffee and, and I start to hear a little bit of Chris's story. And what I discover is that for most of his life, things looked really good on the outside. I mean, he had a career, he had things going for him, but on the inside, he was empty. And he turned to everything else to try to fill that void that only God can fill. Addicted to multiple substances, a raging alcoholic to the point where it almost killed him. Several broken marriages, even got to the point one time where his, abuse was, his substance abuse was so bad that they had to put him in a coma just to keep him alive. I mean, he hit rock bottom. And he said, when I came walking into Hope, I'd only been sober for a few months. And that church was the last place that I thought would turn things around. And if you want to know why we do what we do, well, I don't want you to hear it from me. I would like you to give a warm kingdom, Hope Des Moines, welcome to my friend, 
Chris. Come on up. I told Chris he was going to give the sermon this weekend, and he said, shut up. No, I ain't doing that. I just really, really briefly, I just wanted you to hear from Chris himself, because I can talk at you all day long. Chris, if you, and this is impossible, but if in a nutshell, you could just share really quick what it was like walking through those doors and what has happened in the last three or four years. What, what, what happened to this, <laughs> this church? What, what has God done in your life through this church? All right. Uh, first of all, thank you very much. Uh, and I never expected to be sitting here two years ago, almost three years ago. I never expected to be sitting here today. Uh, the first thing I will tell you, I was talking to a friend of mine last night after we got done doing some stuff around here. And I remember very explicitly the first time I walked in that door, I stopped dead in my tracks. And the reason I did was I knew that the Holy Spirit was here. I felt it and I knew it. And it stopped me right. <laughs> right inside that door. Anyway, uh, I kept coming back and um, started watching people. And um, I started watching one person in particular. And we talked about this last night. I was going to use his name, his Bob. <laughs> We call him Bob the Baker. <laughs> and I watched Bob, and he was always serving, and very quietly, and that's what he did. And anytime somebody would mention his name, he'd hide. But I watched him, and I said, that's what I want to do. That's, I want to be like him. What I found out about myself from coming to this church is that there's two things God designed me to do when he made Chris he said, there's two things that Chris is going to do. He's going to be a servant. And this is something else I learned here from a couple people here, one of them being Jen. We call her, we call her JD now. <laughs> is that I am a servant first. I am a servant to Christ, and I am a servant to his people, to his church. To people, I, that's what it's about, is people. And I am, second, I am an artist. That's what I do. This is what I found out. My entire life had been all about me, and I was willing to do anything that I needed to do to get what I wanted. And believe me, I knew how to do it. I did it well. I found out that this life of mine has nothing to do with me. It has to do with other people. And I got to thinking about this. Something Jesus said, he said that we are to pray for one another. And I've seen that results is that when I pray for other people, invariably they will come back to me and go, Chris, you won't believe what happened. And I go, well, I probably will, but go ahead and tell me. And when I had it happen to me, with one time we were standing around and I think, well, nobody wants to pray for me. Why would you want to pray for me? And they said, is there any, Chris, do you want anything? you want to be prayed about? Anything we could pray about? And I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, there is. That same day, that prayer was answered, and it was something I've been wanting to happen for probably four or five years. I got connected with my family again. I never thought that was going to happen. Yeah. That is all from coming here to this church. Becoming, I'm so blessed to be part of this church. I never thought this would happen. 
And I just want to tell you is that this is what I've learned. It's not about me, and it never will be about me. It's number one, it's about Jesus Christ. It's what I can do for him. What I can do in, in my physical life, how I can be his arms and legs here on earth. For my time that I'm here, what I want first and foremost is to serve him. And I never thought I would be saying that in my wildest dreams. But that is the most important thing to me. Serve, volunteer, and serve. That's how you get to meet people. That's how they get to know you. And that's when people start becoming important to you. That's all I got to say. I'm just so thankful to be here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What Chris is way too humble to say is that, well, he just served so much around here. We said, well, why don't you just be on staff? And so here's this guy that came walking in a few years ago, and now he is the chief servant around here, and he is on our facility team on staff full-time here at Hope Des Moines, and he does an incredible job with this place every single week. Yeah. So I'll just, uh, I'll just end by saying this. Chris, I am really, 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 really glad that you came to the Jesus party. And there is a place for you here. And we are so blessed to have you at the banquet table with us. Amen. Let's thank God for Chris one more time. I'll connect, I'll connect I, uh, with you right now. And if you wonder why we do what we do, uh, it's that. Because there's a lot of other Chris's out there. And will we be a church that reaches them? Because here's the thing. We're no different. <laughs> we're no different. than we all, we all need a place to belong, every single one of us. Will you serve? Will you go to an open house this week? Will you make yourself be known? Will you get out of your comfort zone? Folks, Let's build a banquet hall for the kingdom of God. And we can't do that alone. We need your help. Amen? Let's stand together and prepare our hearts for communion.